Wow, well, thank you. Well, good morning. Well, hey, my name is uh, Jason Rates, and uh, like your pastor said, Dave, I am uh, honored and thrilled to be here, and it has been uh, just a privilege to really try to follow your journey. Like Dave said, a week after you guys started, uh, I, I wanted to name our church Connects with an X, um, just to kind of follow a little bit more. No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> But we named it Thrive Church, and uh, it's just been an absolutely great um, time, and it's been just uh, an amazing opportunity. So I've been a giant fan of your pastor and his wife for four years, and I've been a fan of your church, and I follow along on Facebook, and I like things, and I love what you guys are doing for the kingdom, and it's just uh, thrilling to be a part. Well, I originally grew up in the city of Detroit, so if you hate the Tigers, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's just how it is, and so I lived in uh, Michigan all my life up until 30, and then I moved to the great state of Illinois, and we lived in Hoffman Estates outside of Chicago for four years, so I was a fellow Illinoisian. I don't know if that's what we call it. I make up words all the time, so that's going to be the first word I make up today. And then my wife and I and my kids, we moved to central Michigan, and this is what we get to do from Michigan. We have our hand, and we get to point to where we're from. So right now, I live in central Michigan. See how that happens? I grew up here, and then I moved over here, and then now we live here. So we're in a great uh, state of Michigan. My wife and I, this is my family, uh, we've been married almost 20 years, and we have four kids, uh, Becca, who's 16, Bobby, who's 14, Zach, who's 12, and Maddie, who is eight, and Maddie is with me here, and it's just been awesome. And then we're in the midst of an adoption process, and we're adopting this little boy from China, Come on, yeah, you got to do the awe thing. Like, that is, that is just phenomenal. Yeah, and so his name, uh, we've named him Kai, so his name will be Kai David Rates, and he is, uh, he'll be three years old in January, and we just this last week, my wife left the Chinese consulate in downtown Chicago with our signed, approved, sealed, and certified paperwork, and we're furiously raising funds so we can send it to China. And so hopefully in the next three or four months, we'll be headed to China to bring him home, and so we're just super excited. That's a little bit about my, my family. Hey, so we're in the series called Decision 2016, and in this week, we're talking about this idea of faith over fear, faith over fear. Like, are we going to trust God, or are we just going to be okay with being afraid? Like, are we going to trust him with everything that we're going on, or are we just going to be okay? And since it's Halloween weekend, it's like a beautiful tie-in with fear, right? Because we're trying to, some people love to be scared, love, some people love to dress scary, all those different kind of things. And I don't know about you, but uh, for me, if I watch or listen to the news, I can get fearful pretty quick, especially with this election cycle. I mean, with all the stories and everything happening, like very, very quickly, I could go, oh my goodness, like... The end of the world is coming. Zombies are about to take over. It's too soon, sorry. Uh, too soon to talk about it. And we just could let fear. So, like, what's going to happen with America? I mean, it could go, like, right down the drain, couldn't it? With the wrong person voted. We have all of this fear that happens, and you and I get to make this tremendous decision to vote. And we're like, are we going to make the wrong vote? Are we going to have the right vote? Like, what's going to happen? And the reality is, if you've decided to follow Jesus with your life, you have this tremendous opportunity to bring him into your decisions and bring him into your fear, because I really do believe this about Jesus. Um, Faith in Jesus will help us conquer our fears. Faith in Jesus will help us conquer our fears, even the fear of who the next president will be. 
Like even the fear of what to dress up for for Halloween. And I don't know for you if your fear has ever gotten out of control or gotten the best of you. Happened to me on the day I went to my future father-in-law to ask him to marry his daughter. I can still remember the day uh, we were out. He bought an old retired farm in the middle of nowhere. I love this man to death, but he just scared the life out of me. I grew up in the city of Detroit. I grew up with alleys and rats the size of go-karts. You know, I'm okay with gunshots. Uh, but he had this giant farm so he could just shoot and kill things. Now, if you're a hunter, that's great, you know, all for hunting. I just like to get my meat without looking at the face of the animal first. I don't need to do that. Like, walking into the grocery store, I'm glad they don't put, like, Bessie's picture on the hamburger. Meat brought to you by Bessie. Have a move, fantastic day. I don't need that. So, uh, my wife-to-be and I were at her parents, and we were out working, helping them, and I asked my future mother-in-law, hey, can I use your shower? Now, they had a 100-year-old farmhouse. They were refinishing it, and so the shower was upstairs, and so they said, absolutely fine. So I go upstairs, not to get gross with you, but uh, was kind of taking some care of some business first, and um, up until that point of the first 21 years of my life, nothing had ever happened to me before on a toilet like happened to me that day. So we're about to get real intimate, um, real intimate. You're going to really thank your pastor for bringing in this guy. Um, so I finished the process, I completed the transaction, and as I arose from the situation, I kid you not, the entire toilet just started to shake. Like, uh, I mean, it was, it was not doing the whip and nay-nay, it was not, I mean, it was just starting to move. And I stood there like, what is going to happen? And I kid you not, before I could even catch my breath, do you know the back box of the toilet? I don't know what that's called. I think there's probably like a, you know, a tank. Oh, a tank. 41 years of life. I should know that by now. Five years of high school taught me a lot. Um, but the tank, like, started to shake, and I kid you not, it cracked in half. Like, just, it was together, it was whole, and then it was not. I don't know about you, but... I didn't know that thing was filled with water. And water is flowing at this point. And, it is, and I'm like, what do I, this is like my future father-in-law. Like, what am I gonna do? And so I grab like a, like a Q-tip, you know, I'm trying to like soak up the water. I grab a towel. They have this cat and he's just huge. So I grab him and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to soak him up and it's just not working. So I run downstairs. Now, my father-in-law, he had probably just killed a raccoon, and he was skinning it or something, and he had a crossbow on, and I walked up to him very sheepishly. I said, sir, there is a problem in the bathroom. And he said, uh, there's a plunger in the, door, in the closet. <laughs> Plunger's not going to work. Um, he had been refinishing the living room ceiling, and... <laughs> Water starts to drip. And for some reason, there's a ceiling fan, and it wasn't refinished, but there's a ceiling fan. And so water was dripping on the fan, and it starts to, like, flick water from the living room. And water, like, lands on his forehead. He's like, what did you do? At this point, there's so much water coming down the stairs. The cat had fashioned a kayak and is kayaking down the stairs. I may have made that part up. Um, but... It was, so he runs upstairs and he's like, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't do anything. I promise you. That day was the most fear-led fear day I've ever been a part of my life. 
Um, the crazy thing happened, though. He reached underneath the toilet. Did you know there's a, like a, a knob? There's like a level, like a little, he just turned it off when the water stopped. I wish they would have taught me that. But I'm glad I know the periodic table of charts or whatever it's called, whatever, whatever, so. Here's the thing, though. You and I have probably all been in deep, deep fear situations. I don't like heights. I don't like danger. I don't like roller coasters. I won't eat peeps. Dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff. But here's what I know about fear. Uh, Jesus talked an awful lot about fear. Jesus mentioned fear a ton. Listen to some of Jesus' phrases from throughout the Gospels. He said, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Don't be troubled or afraid. Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubts? So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Take courage. I am here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I will come and get you so that you will always be where I am. Jesus does not want you and I to live in a state of fear. Nobody here, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but nobody here has ever said, oh, my phobias put such a spring in my step. Like, nobody says that, right? Nobody says, I can't wait to start my day by biting on my nails and grinding my teeth. Uh, Nobody says, oh, God, thank you for my pessimism. I've been such a better person because I have no hope. Like, nobody says that. We don't like fear, but we act like we love it because some of us, sometimes, myself included, we have let it control our lives. And here's what I believe. Faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus will help us conquer all of our fears. So what do you fear? Very real real fears out there, right? Uh, Not having enough money, paying our bills, going broke, Uh, Car breaking down, finishing last, being wrong, losing control, sickness, uh, this election, Halloween, a fear of public failure, uh, losing your job, heights, uh, all of those things are valid fears. Uh, The fascinating thing is like according to some psychiatric reference books, uh, there's about 2,000 classified fears, 2,000. And the really fascinating thing is they run the, the, I mean, the gamut of everything. Like, there's even a fear of having fears, like phobia, phobia. It's a real phobia. I have a fear of, like, being afraid of all the fears, you know. Uh, it's just crazy. Photophobia, the fear of not looking good in pictures. I mean, it's just crazy. My 16-year-old, I, I think she's going to develop a fear called not looking good on Snapchat. I mean, that's just, that's like snapchat phobia. I mean, there's just fears. Uh, But one of my favorite authors, he's a guy by the name of Mark Batterson, and he wrote a book called In the Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. He also wrote a book called Circle Maker. But in this book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, he talks about how uh, psychiatrists say that we're born with really only two innate fears. That's it. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So the interesting thing is that means all of those other fears are learned. Uh, Fear, it seems, has has set up shop in our lives. It's oversized, it's rude, it's unwilling to share. Uh, Fear is the big bully, right, in the school hallways. Brash, loud, unproductive. Uh, For all the noise fear makes and all the room it takes in our hearts, it does no good for us. So why do we give it so much of ourselves? Fear is no good for our soul. Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem. It never negotiated a peace treaty. It never cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty. Fear never saved a business or a marriage. Courage does those things. Fear herds us into a prison, and it slams the door shut. I love uh, what Max Lucado said in his book, Fearless About Fear. Jesus takes our fear seriously 
because fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia. It dulls our miracle memory. It makes us forget what Jesus has done and how good God is, like how good God is. And, and fear feel, feels dreadful, right? Like it sucks the life out of our souls. It curls us into like an embryonic state and dries us of our contentment. And when fear shapes our lives, like safety becomes our God. Safety becomes our God. And Jesus, here's the thing about Jesus. His most common command was, fear not. If quality is any indicator, Jesus takes our fear seriously. And the one statement he made more than any other was this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So in this season that we're in right now, Decision 2016, will you let your fear get the best of you or will you live by faith? Will you let your faith in Jesus conquer your fear? I love what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has given us that. Fear may fill our world, it may fill the news, it may fill Facebook, it may fill everything, but it doesn't have to fill our hearts. It will always knock on the door, just don't invite it in. Like, tell it to go away. And let's fill our hearts with Jesus's do not fear statements. Faith in Jesus will help us conquer our fears. There's a tremendous story of this happening with two tremendous people in the book of Mark in the New Testament. You know, uh, the Bible is 66 books, two parts, old and new. In the New Testament, there's this book of Mark, Matthew, Mark. And in chapter five, we see two different people who are approaching faith and fear in similar ways. And let me, let me start it out. I'll read it for you. It says this, uh, 521. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, so real quick, the synagogue leaders, they would have not have liked Jesus. They were anti-Jesus, but his name was Jairus, and he came and he saw Jesus and he fell on his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on him, on her, so that she will be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. See, faith in Jesus conquers our fears. Faith in Jesus conquers our fears. The the story of Jairus is wild. Like his name in the Hebrew, the the original language, uh, his name actually means he awakens. So kind of get this for a second, what's going on in Jairus' life. Like Jairus, it would have taken so much humility to approach Jesus. Because in those days, Jairus, Jairus was one of the synagogue rulers. He was uh, 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 like an official responsible for like the physical management of the synagogue building. He was a respected leader in the community. He was on the anti-Jesus side. Yet his daughter was dying. And if you're a parent, you know you will do absolutely anything for your kids. And so here's what he does. His name who means he awakens. Like he said, okay, fear has run my life, so I'm going to go and I'm going to beg Jesus. I am going to beg. And look at how he begs. I mean, he, he, he says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his feet. He fell. And he begged Jesus. I wonder how many times you and I fall on our knees when the fear overtakes our life. When you get the the call from the doctor that the diagnosis is one that just wrecks you. What if that was our first step 
See, faith in Jesus conquers all of our fears. And so this act that Jairus did, it took a double step of faith, double step of faith, because not only had he had to um, humble himself in front of all the people that were watching him, he had to go to Jesus and he had to defy the leaders and the teachers of the day and associate with Jesus. I mean, that was huge. And this is his only daughter, the book of Luke tells us, and she was dying, and that word dying literally means to the point of death. So this was like, this is gonna happen very, very soon. And so he is, and Mark, the author here, points out that this is a 12-year-old girl. And this is significant because in the Jewish culture, right, she had probably just been through her uh, bat mitzvah, and therefore she was like considered a daughter of the commandments. And so he wanted to get Jesus to her. And in humility, Jairus begs, begs, begs Jesus, just come and put your hand on her. That's all we want. Come and put your hand on her. That's it. So on one hand, you have uh, like Jesus going to heal the innocent daughter of the commandments whose father was closely tied to the religious elite. So you had, like, he is in, he is included, he has friends, he has status in the community. And then listen what happens. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. That's just Jesus, right? Wherever he went, a large crowd followed him. You know why? Because Jesus' words brought life. They brought hope. And so then... A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great, a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and just touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him, so he turned and asked the crowd, who touched me? And his disciples are like, boss, there's tons of people here. What a crazy question. But Jesus kept looking around to see what had done. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother this teacher anymore? And overhearing what just happened, Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. So he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep, but they all laughed at him. Interesting contrast, right? You have Jairus who is included, who has no reason to fear because he has everything, and then you have the woman who has nothing, who is excluded. And probably because of her sickness, she had been treated like a leper, which means that she probably had no family, no friends, no physical touch, no anything. Yet Jesus, Jesus gives them both the care and attention and love. I don't know if, I can't even think about that happening, a 12-year-old girl losing her life. And so this is, the, this is what Jesus is walking into. And people are wailing and mourning and crying. And they, they are uh, screaming. I, I've never experienced anything like that, uh, nothing. Um, the only thing that comes 
not even remotely close, but when we started our adoption process, we had started with a 16-month-old girl in China. And so when we started this process back in November, we were like steamrolling towards adopting this little baby girl. We named her Winona May after my wife's two grandmothers. And uh, we just really felt God called us to adopt a child with a special need. And so two of my youngest kids have this rare genetic disorder called PKU, or uh, phenylketonuria. And so long and the short of it is, they're going to live absolutely healthy lives if they don't eat protein. So it's kind of a, a really weird thing. No meat, no eggs, no cheese, no dairy, no chocolate, no pasta, no bread, no proteins and everything. So it's a really interesting life. So God... I really felt God called us to adopt a little baby with PKU since we know the life. And so we were steamrolling towards her adoption. We were raising money. We were excited. We got her bedroom ready. And then in February of this year, we got a phone call uh, that told us she had passed away. And now here's the thing. We had never met her. We had pictures. Uh, but she was already part of our life. And the orphanage that she was in in China didn't have central heating, and her little body got an infection and just couldn't beat it. And it wrecked us. It wrecked us. So, so any death this way is just wrecking. And so just imagine Jesus. Jesus says, while the commotion, the child is not dead but asleep. The child is not dead. And so this is what happens. He took her by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. And at this they were completely astonished. They were completely astonished. Here's what we can learn from these two examples of Scripture. Uh, the, the thing that they have in common is faith. Faith in Jesus will help us conquer all of our fears. Okay, uh, say that's all well and good, but how can we take steps then to live that way? Because maybe some of you already, you are sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, this is great, but I know that this might happen, or this might happen, or this might happen. Just a few ideas for you. The first is this. Just what we learned from Jarius and this woman, humbly present yourself to Jesus. Humbly present yourself to Jesus. Both Jarius and the woman, what did they do when they got to Jesus? They fell on their knees. Like, are you willing to humble yourself to the point that you actually get on your knees and you ask Jesus for help? Like, humbly present yourself to Jesus. The reality is God's not like a super fan of pride, but he is a fan of humility. So much that in, in the New Testament, in James 4, 6, it says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And like the book of Proverbs is pretty direct and forceful in rejecting pride. And Proverbs eleven two says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. So God's a fan of humility. See, pride's a game changer. Pride is one of the largest stumbling blocks there is. And so back to the woman in the story, like she kept telling herself if she could just touch his clothes, if she could just get through the crowd, if she could just touch him, then she would be healed. And then she could slip away unnoticed. But see, like Jesus knew what happened. And so she came to him humbly. Jarius, the same thing. He was, he was a big wig. He was a big deal. And he came to Jesus humbly and he begged Jesus. He begged Jesus. He begged him. So humbly present yourself to Jesus. Another thought for you, if you're going to let your faith in Jesus conquer your fears, uh, is you've got to start taking steps of faith. You've got to start taking steps of faith. Like, what are the steps of faith that you can take? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Like, two words describe faith, sure and certain. Sure and certain. 
Like these two qualities need a secure beginning and an ending point, an ending point. And the beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who he says he is. And the end point of believing in God's promises is he will do what he says he will do. So when we believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see those promises materializing yet, we can demonstrate true faith. And one of the best definitions I've ever heard from faith, of faith, and I can't remember where I found it, but faith is the quality that gives us mastery over life's difficulties. Faith is the quality that gives us mastery over life's difficulties. We've been in this amazing process of raising funds for adoption, and I think generosity is one of the greatest things in the history of the planet. So I'm so excited for you as you have this tremendous opportunity to give towards the Connect Center, this place where people are going to meet Jesus and the community is going to be changed. Um, but there's a, a moment of generosity that happened in our life a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, a friend called me. It was the end of the day, and they said, hey, can I pick you up in my truck? And I'm like, mm, all right, that's cool. I'm from Detroit, so I still... Things are a little shady to me sometimes. And so I get in the truck and we're driving around and they take me to their work and I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? We pull up next to one of their other cars and the car has a for sale sign on it. And this person says, you know, I've been praying about your adoption and I just really think one of the best ways I could help your adoption is to give you guys our car. Like, I was like, no, no. <laughs> No, like a McDouble at McDonald's, I can get behind. You're like, yeah, yeah, cool. You want to buy my McDouble? Sure. Not that I eat a McDouble, uh, obviously with my figure. Um, I go for the single. Uh, but I, 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 like, you know, my wife and I have four kids, two of the special thing, it costs money. You know, we, our two cars are basically held together with duct tape and, you know, dental floss and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And to be able to sit there and go, I dr drove the car here from Michigan, Illinois. Like, God, you did this for us. Like, sometimes you have to take steps of faith. Sometimes you have to put yourself out there in order for that. And then lastly, just one other last thought for you, humbly present yourself to Jesus, take steps of faith, and then let Jesus be enough. So, so if, if your faith in Jesus is going to conquer your fears, let Jesus be enough. Uh, one of my favorite authors is this guy by the name of John Orberg, and he wrote this about Jesus. And sometimes it's good to remember who exactly Jesus is when our faith isn't lining up. <clears throat> who is Jesus? He is the hinge of history. He is the hope of the oppressed. He is the inspiration of the despairing. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the greatest teacher who ever lived. He is the greatest mind who ever thought. He sparked the greatest movement that has ever spread. He offered the greatest gift that has ever been given. He alone mastered life. He alone conquered death. He alone overcame sin. He alone grows more present with each passing year. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. And Isaiah 6, 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So when you approach your fear, when you approach your fear, let Jesus be enough. Let me go back to what I said in the beginning. Here are some of the things that Jesus says to you and I about fear. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Do not be troubled or afraid. Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? 
So don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. Take courage. I am here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I will come and get you so that you always will be with me where I am. Let me tell you one more story and I'll, I'll pray and, and, and we'll go. I, I read a story once about a little boy, Grant, who was five years old. He was very, very sick. Parents took him to the hospital, ran a, a litany of tests, and they, they found out he had leukemia. And, and so coming up to the day of his surgery, uh, they were talking to him about it, and, they, and Grant said, hey, could we pick a, a Bible verse and, and learn it together? And so as their family, they picked Psalms 31, 24. And in the message version, it says this, be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to get here soon. Be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to get here soon. So they would recite it every single day. This hits really home for me because at my church, we have a little nine-year-old boy who has cancer. And there's a tuber that's connected to his spine, and they just can't get to it. If they took it out, it'd wipe away his walking. And so I see him every week, and uh, he had surgery uh, nine months ago, and, and uh, I visited him, and, and he, um, I said, how are you doing, Drew? And he pulled up his shirt, and he had, you know, this giant scar. And uh, I was thinking, oh, this is a... This is just a little guy. You know, it just this story hit home. And so with Grant's parents, they would recite this verse all the time. Be brave, be strong, don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. Be brave, be strong, don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. So they go to the hospital, they put him on the gurney, and they're rolling him into the surgery room. And, you know, they, I don't know if you were at surgery, they start to give you the, the magic stuff where you start to see grandma and, you know, all, the, all that kind of stuff. And he's, he's, he's going in. And his speech started to become slurred. And as they're walking down the hallway, um, his dad looks at Grant and notices that his little lips are moving. And as he put his ear to Grant's lips, he heard, be brave, be strong, don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. I, I don't know what place of life you're in. My challenge for you is that you will not let the fear overcome your life, but that your faith in Jesus will help you conquer the fear. Be brave. Be strong. Don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. Let me pray for you. God, we just come before you and we thank you for this beautiful day. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for the, the heart of this church. God, I just pray that you would open up the floodgates of heaven on this church. God, I, I humbly ask from a that you would just open up the, the floodgates of heaven and bless this church, God. I pray for people here today who are struggling with fear. God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would remember, you would remind us that we can be courageous and strong, that we can be brave, that we can be strong, that we don't have to give up, and that you will be here. You are here. You will see us through whatever we're going through. God, thank you for giving us Jesus. And Jesus, we put our faith in you because we know that our faith in you will conquer our fears. In Jesus' name, amen.